enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. We welcome you to join us in a study of God's word today. May God open your heart and mind as you listen to the eternal truths found in his word. It is very good to be up here again and to share uh, the word with you. The, the passage I wanted to preach from today, I'd actually intended to preach from about two weeks ago. And so this was kind of uh, on my radar. This is what I wanted to do. And uh, I was really, really upset that I wasn't able to be here. This, two weeks ago was the start of, hey, this is the, the half million mobilization, 500,000 Nazarenes praying for uh, all the way until Pentecost, praying that the Lord would move in a mighty way in our lives again. I wanted to help introduce and be a part of that. I talked about it the week before, and it's something I really wanted to help, you know, push us into and talk about. But I know that there's a silver lining sometimes when things don't happen the way that you wanted. And so uh, I think the silver lining in this is as much as I can say things like, this is something the whole church is going to do, or this is something that the global church takes part of, sometimes it can be great to hear from another voice and find out indeed that this is the case. And so I had Hank Dunn come and join us. And then last week, Kim Richardson came and joined us. And what you got to see was indeed this emphasis on prayer that is, of course, not just my emphasis, not just what I want to do, but indeed is taking place among churches, uh, among churches throughout uh, North America and Canada, and that we are committed to and praying for and committing to the practice of prayer. And so I found myself thinking, as much as I wasn't able to be here for the last couple of weeks to encourage you to, uh, to take a prayer journal home or to download it like I did during the announcements or to, you know, and to commit to the, those prayer practices, you got to see and hear from two others who got to say again, and in their own words, how important it is for us to bring ourselves before the Lord and how important it is for us to commit to the practice of prayer. And for for that, I'm grateful. And for that, uh, I'm thankful. And I found myself um, uh, uh, wanting to come back, though, to Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. And as much as we think about our prayer life and how we are to engage in prayer, and even as we go into this practice, and we've been doing this now for two weeks, of praying every day uh, for the Holy Spirit to work in our life. If you've missed out on that, if you haven't joined us in that, I'd encourage you, start now. It's great. Like I said uh, earlier, it's easy, it's simple, it just takes a couple minutes to read, and then praying afterwards, and it's a great practice. In fact, I would say, if you're thinking to yourself, oh man, I already do the intersections, and now you want me to do this, I'd say take a break. Take a reprieve from this. We'll come back fresh to it after Pentecost. But uh, uh, look at the prayer journal um, and join us in this today. And, uh, but I wanted to talk about perhaps why it is sometimes you might say, oh, do I, do I want to commit to this practice? Do I want to do this? I think sometimes uh, in, our, in our prayer lives what happens is uh, we get accustomed to praying and we're asking for God's help and guidance in our life and, and what we are hoping for or desiring from God. And somewhere along the way, you know, at first everything's great and we're starting to see God move in, in wonderful ways. We see pictures and, and, and ideas in which he's helping and, and moving in our life. But somewhere along the way, I think what happens in our faith is 
things just start to become kind of routine. And, and maybe uh, our eyes start to gloss over some of the ways in which God may have been moving, but we, we stop seeing it. Or perhaps what happens is we start praying very earnestly for something. And uh, we don't get the answer that we were expecting or that we were hoping for. Or God didn't move in the same way that, uh, for that prayer as He had in a previous prayer. And we start thinking something's wrong or we start thinking, uh, you know, maybe He's not going to answer anymore or something. And for whatever reason, we just start falling back. And we forget to bring ourselves before the Lord. And so we get out of practice. And sometimes moments like this to reemphasize is a way for us to remember that our God still wants to work in our life. And, and I think a lot of times in those moments, though, when we've gotten out of practice, we find ourselves wondering, where has prayer failed? Where have I failed? Where has my faith failed? And we wonder about that. And so this passage of Scripture that I'm going to share with you today is a passage of Scripture in which there is a prayer made before God and it seems like this prayer fails. And this prayer is given by the one person, we would think in all of the world, in all of history, in all of Scripture, the one person who has such a great relationship with God, there's no way their prayer can fail or their prayer wouldn't be answered. This is going to be the prayer of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he's going, to say, he's going to have a prayer, and it's going to seem like this prayer has failed. What has happened here? And so let's turn to Luke chapter 23, verse 31 through uh, 34. This is Jesus speaking. Uh, Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded... To sift all of you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, and once you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. This passage of Scripture, um, I think a lot of times we, we kind of miss, unless uh, it's being read maybe on Good Friday service or something. It's, it's that one passage in the life of Jesus that happens between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. It's the day before uh, he, he's arrested, and he's warning uh, Simon Peter that he's going to deny him. And he begins here by saying, Simon, Simon, listen. Now, Simon was a fisherman, and Jesus had called him to be a disciple. He was one of the ones. He said, hey, leave your nets behind. Come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And, and, uh, and so Simon had been faithful and had been following Jesus. And Jesus, as he's been gathering disciples, Peter has kind of stood out. As a leader, he's kind of stood out as a very faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. He's someone who's been with him through thick and thin throughout his life and his ministry here. And at one point in time, Jesus says to Simon, Simon, you're strong. Your faith is great. 
In fact, your faith is going to be the bedrock with which I'm going to be able to build a church, that the church is going to grow, it's going to spread throughout the world. You are going to be the foundation of this. You're going to be the rock. And so I'm going to give you a name that means the rock. I'm going to call you Peter, for that's what Peter means, is, is, is the rock. And so Simon, from then on in the Gospel of Luke, is called Simon Peter. Every time he calls him Simon, he also calls him Simon Peter. It's just his name. It is who he is. Uh, in preparing for this, I had a person who wrote a commentary. A, a scholar suggests that this is the first time in the Gospel of Luke, since he gets the name Peter, that he just calls him Simon that he doesn't call him Simon Peter. And he says he wonders if, if perhaps, he conjectures that maybe this is because his status as the rock, his status as the foundation for the church, his status as, as one of the great apostles and disciples of Jesus Christ is at risk here. That his denial is, is going to put him uh, in danger of reverting back to that old identity of just being Simon and not being that rock. Now, I don't know. That's a, that's a little bit of conjecture. But sometimes I find myself wondering, is there any truth to that? And I'll come back to that in a moment. But he starts off by saying, Simon, Simon. For the first time, just goes back to calling him Simon. Listen. And then Jesus uses an analogy that goes all the way back, an analogy they would have absolutely been familiar with. It goes all the way back to the book of Job. In the book of Job, the story of Job is this. Job is a righteous, faithful person. Absolutely right relationship with God. Does everything right. The whole story of Job is he wants to make sure he, he is 100% in line with God's will, that his children 100% in line with God's will. And there's an accusation made that, well, the only reason why he believes in you, God, the only reason he's faithful is because everything's going well for him. He's rich, he's got it all together, he's got a great family. The only reason he's following is because of how blessed he is. That, that, that reminds me of like, uh, I don't know, like, Childish arguments, I would think, in high school or college. Oh, man, the only reason things are, they're so happy right now is because they got everything going for them. <laughs> and, uh, but, like, that was the accusation. The name of the accuser, of course, is Satan. In fact, it's the Hebrew word that means accuser. And, and Jesus goes back to that analogy, that, that there is a, 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 that analogy from Job, that when everyone's, uh, that when even one seems to be righteous, that nonetheless, there's going to be trial. That nonetheless, there might be temptation as well. And so when he goes back and he uses that analogy, I can't help but think, as he's talking to Simon, he says, Satan's going to sift you like wheat. He says to him, you have been faithful. You have followed. You left everything behind and you've been following Jesus Christ. You have shown yourself to be in right relationship and to be in league with God, to, to be the person that God wants you to be. I've been calling you Peter uh, all, all this time. Like Here you are. But yet, just as with Job, who was a righteous man, there is going to be a time of great temptation and trial. And my prayer is that your faith will not fail. 
My prayer is that your faith will be like that of Job, who even when everything falls apart for him and the rug is pulled out from under him, when all of his friends are saying, you did something wrong, yet he keeps his relationship with God. My prayer is that your faith will not fail. And the truth is, in our prayers, it might have even happened for us in these last two weeks, that sometimes we are praying for something, but what happens when it seems like that prayer isn't answered? Sometimes I think it's easy for us to go back to, well, what did I do wrong? I must have done something wrong that this prayer wasn't answered. In fact, that was precisely the critique of Job's friends against him. What has gone wrong? And Jesus is reminding Peter and reminding us that that is the temptation, that is the thoughts of Satan. That is the effects of a world working against us, whatever you want to call that, the effects of the world or sin or Satan trying to tell us you're not in a relationship with God. That's why your prayer isn't answered. But that is not the case. That is the work of Satan. So two weeks ago... um, I caught COVID, and um, I was like, uh, for the record, I'm 10 days from symptom-free, so I have this. The CDC recommends 10 days afterwards you, you have a mask, and so uh, I, this is like day 10 for me of symptom-free, so that, that's just where I'm at. But two weeks ago, I caught COVID, and, uh, and I was like, oh, no, no, like Alec, Alex had it a, a few days, almost a week before us, and so I was trying my best to avoid it, trying my best to avoid it, because I had a vacation planned, and... Um, and so uh, I catch it, and I'm like, oh, no, this is, this is not good. I have to fly out in six days. And so that's why I missed the first Sunday two weeks ago. And so um, uh, I, I remember the day before, um, I was supposed to fly out, the night before. It's been five days now. And, um, and, and after five days, you're supposed to be, if you're symptom-free, should be okay if if, if you wear a mask, I'm like, okay, maybe I can, I can fly out and still see some friends I'd scheduled. You know, over the last two years, it's been harder to travel, harder to get out. I really hadn't had a vacation where I went out and saw friends other than seeing my grandfather once. And so I was so looking forward to this. I'm praying, I'm praying, God, please, as I take this next test, let it be negative so I can go and see them. And so, you know, I do the thing. I stick the swab up my nose, swish it around a little bit, you know, put the drops on the little paper, put it in, and... And it comes back positive. And now, like, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just wrecked. I'm just wrecked. I want it to go. My flight leaves at 6 in the morning the next day. There's no way. Can't do it. So I have to cancel and try to get as much reimbursed back as I can. And so uh, I, I, I owe an apology to my family the next few days. I was mopey and grumpy. Right? It, was, it was terrible. And so um, uh, I, was, I was not happy. This, this was a moment where I was like, this, of course, was a prayer not answered. Now, for me... For me, it wasn't um, that big of a deal to pray for a negative test. For me, the consequences of it was I missed out on something I really wanted to be a part of. I know in our lives and lives of people we know, sometimes when we are praying for God to move in, in a negative or positive result in a test, it is far more severe than what I was praying for. But yet, in that moment, that was not a sign or a symptom of some kind of lack of faith or some kind of lack of, uh, of something has failed in me. That is a symptom of this is sometimes inevitably what happens, part of the trials of life. 
of which we are trying to pray and ask for God to intercede in on our behalf. And so Jesus says and warns Simon, you will be sifted. And there will be these trials and there will be moments like this. But in the sifting, the question is, are you going to find that there is fruit, that there is seed still among among that? Can God still work despite even those moments where it seems like the prayer has failed? And so this is is Jesus' prayer for... um, Simon Peter, is he's praying that his faith won't fail. But if you remember from just a month ago, uh, from our Good Friday service, we, have a, we had an image with the reading of, of Peter denying Jesus three times. I think the image is a painting of Rembrandt, I believe, of a dark picture of Peter behind a candle, and everyone's whispering, hey, aren't you the one, aren't you the one? But it's, uh, that, that story is a story of them asking when Jesus has been arrested, Peter, aren't you the one, aren't you the one? And he was certain he was not going to deny him. He says so here. In fact, when they came to arrest Jesus, he's like, nope, I said I'm going to prison, I'm going to death. I will now. And he takes out his sword and he swings at someone and barely, barely, uh, barely misses. He cuts off his ear and, and he's doing whatever he can. To death, to jail, here we go, we're going to save you. The only reason he stops is because Jesus stops him. But after that, and Jesus is taken away, and Peter is certain Hey, but I've been following you this whole time. You were supposed to be the Messiah. Uh, uh, this, this was how life was supposed to go. This is how the world was going to work out for us. And how everything's just crashing and falling apart. And he doesn't know. And it seems like he, he, just, he has all kinds of questions about his faith because everything he had put his life toward is falling apart. And so when they ask him, hey, aren't you one of his? He says, no. No, I'm not. Jesus had prayed that his faith wouldn't fail, and now he's denying him. Even Jesus had a moment where it seemed like his prayer wasn't answered. And there's a part of me that thinks in that, when we go to Jesus in prayer, that Jesus knows and understands and still intercedes on our behalf as one who has experienced with us what it is like to experience silence in a moment of prayer. To experience, to borrow words he would use on the cross, what it feels like to feel forsaken or abandoned in a moment when the prayer is most earnest. And yet, his prayer is also going to be in that. Peter, my hope is that you will be strengthened and that you will turn back. His, his hope and his prayer is that even in those moments, it will be a moment in which you can grow and learn that God is still with us even when all the prayers aren't answered the way we would always have them to be. And then, the end of this, when Jesus is saying to him and telling him, hey, I'm telling you right now, the rooster's going to crow. When you deny me, he, he does something interesting. He does call him Peter in this moment, which makes me think one of two things. Either the commentator is just stretching a little bit because he does call him Peter, he just doesn't do it in the same sentence. Or, or Jesus is saying, when it seems like your faith has failed, maybe God is still with you to grow and help you become something so much more that God can still use you indeed build up a church. I think normally when we think of failure, we think of 
uh, not meeting the goal, not meeting the task. Came back from assembly on Saturday, and uh, Alex shows me his arm. He's got some bands on it. He was doing parkour camp on Saturdays. He's so excited. They had different levels that he had to meet. He had a bronze band because he met the bronze level of being able to uh, do those, do the task necessary, the parkour skills for that. He showed me his silver band because uh, he was able to do the next level as well. And the final level was for the gold band, and that was extra added challenges that he would have to do. And if he could meet it, he'd get the gold band. But if not, you know, if he failed to meet those, he would not receive that band. And he was so excited to show me he had the gold band as well. And he was just, he was just thrilled. A lot of times when we think of failure, we think failing to meet up to that goal. Or, or thinking, I'm going to accomplish something and then not doing it. Like, you know, when you take your kids in the grocery store on a rainy day and they see the puddle and they're like, oh, I got this. And they try to jump over it and they fail. Right, right, right. You get wet, they get wet. And if the person pushing the cart next to them gets wet, now they're in trouble. Like, like, you know, it's like, oh, what's going on here? You know, we think of failure as, oh, man, I've messed up, and now it's affected and splashed over everybody. And that's what we think of failure a lot of times. But um, I, I think there might be another analogy that works for us. Something Jen and I started to do about uh, two months ago is that uh, we said, you know, we should probably take a little, you know, just, just a little bit more care for ourselves. So uh, we decided to uh, together uh, join the gym again and go back to that. And so uh, we started doing that. And there's something that happens when you're, you know, when you're in the gym and, uh, and you're doing any kind of weights at all. If uh, usually what you are doing is you're doing some kind of pushing or pulling motion with your arms or your legs. And you'll do that for some number of time, repetitions, right? You'll do the same thing over and over again. And usually, you know, it'll be any number based on what weights you're using or what you're, whether you're trying just, you know, to build up your heart or whether you're trying to build muscle. You might do six reps. You might do 20 or some number in between. But a lot of times, you'll do that until you can't anymore, until your muscles fail. And then you'll put the weight down and you'll wait and you'll breathe for a minute or you'll breathe for two. And then you'll do it again. You'll try to do the same number of reps until your muscles fail. And then you'll put the weights down and maybe you'll do a third set. So in that sense, the failure of the muscles to be able to be consistent, to be faithful with that motion, that extra time, is not indeed a failure to be ashamed of, but one in which you recognize this is a moment in which I can grow from and build from. Indeed, this is building a foundation for what might be a future. And so Jesus says to Simon Peter, even though you're going to deny me, he still calls him the rock. That God is still going to be able to work with you. And so I find myself, as we move into this season of prayer, let us not be um, discomforted or, uh, or give up if we find ourselves saying, well, I, that prayer wasn't answered the way I expected it to be. Or, or I, I entered into this time of prayer, I'm following Jesus, but it feels like right now Satan's sifting me like wheat. What happens next? Believe that God is still able to build up from this. And God is working in your life. A story I think I've shared before. Someone once saying to me, Tim, it seems to me that sometimes when people pray, they're just trying to convince themselves of things. 
just trying to justify things. God, should I take this new job? Should I move here? Whatever. But it's always like better for them. So of course, God always says yes. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, yeah, yeah, that can happen. That can happen. But the task of prayer is this. The task of prayer is to ask how we can be faithful in wherever God leads us. So whether it's to that better place or to a worse place, we are asking that God is going to change us and shape us to be faithful to who He is. And I said, and if that can happen, then wherever that leads, better or worse, our prayer is that God is going to continue to build His kingdom. God is going to continue to build us up no matter if Satan is sifting wheat or we find ourselves in a spot where it is easy to confess Jesus is Lord in our life. So let us commit this week and the weeks to come to saying, God, wherever you lead, I'm going to be praying and trusting that you are building and you are making me to be the person you want me to be. And our prayer and our hope is that his spirit would indeed work and allow that to take place. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again that we can turn to you any day, morning or night, any moment, And Heavenly Father, know that you are listening and that you are with us. To know that your Son is interceding on our behalf, saying, I know what it's like to struggle, to live, to die in this world. I know what it's like to seem like prayers haven't been answered, and yet He is speaking on our behalf. And Heavenly Father, you are the one who has promised to pour out your Spirit into our life, to continue to to bring deliverance from sin, to bring power and victory uh, over that which comes against us. And Heavenly Father, it is my hope indeed that we would find that whatever trials or tribulations come, that we would see that this is not the result of you somehow pouring out judgment and, and, uh, and hate upon this world. But Lord, you are the God who wants to work in the midst of whatever sifting Satan is doing and that you will indeed continue to lift us up. Heavenly Father, as we uh, enter into this season and this time of prayer, it is my hope that you will continue to be the God who builds upon the foundation of faith which you have already given us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to the work you want to do in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this sermon podcast. We hope that the message has inspired you to draw closer to God each day. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today.